Well, is everyone doing well? Yeah, I don't sound like it. You should be excited. You're in church. If this was a football game, I'd get a little more excitement out of you, right? Well, as you know, 2013 is just a day away. And I'm sure people are planning their parties and they get togethers, getting ready for all the bowl games on January 1. And then there are other, who, other people out there who are just trying to make it, just trying to get through. You see, the beginning of a new year brings excitement for some people. A new take on life, new journeys, new opportunities, new experiences to encounter. But for others, the new year would just be a carryover for 2012. Last year, issues and drama would just be carried over to 2013. The point is that each of you in this place have different differences of opinion in what you think is going to happen next year for your life, what you expect, what do you think 2013 represents. If I ask each of you, it's going to be different. Why? Because we're all different people, different ideas, different passions, different dreams, different experiences, different family backgrounds, culture, ethnicity, church, education, economic status. We're all different. And look at what the Lord has done. He's put us all in his little church in the village. Why? You see, we are becoming a melting pot of differences in this little church, which is beautiful. I love it. But those differences can either be our strength or they can be our weakness. They can either be a weakness that divides us or a strength that helps build our unity. So how does a church like ours, with our various differences, stay unified, stay as one? How can we not let our differences divide us? How can we let them help unify us more and more? You see, a church like ours, we have to be very intentional about keeping the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. We have to be. So our New Year's resolution for the Village Church is for us to continue to fight for that unity one more year. One more year. So if you have your Bible, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, that there be no divisions among you, that you may be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Cleo's people, by Chloe's people, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you say, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone. 
For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Please pray with me. Lord, as we come to your truth, it's your truth. Not the preacher's word. It's not his ideas. It's not his opinion. This is the very word of God. And it means something for our life. Just not words on a page. Just not a novel. A nonfiction book or a fiction book, Lord. But this is truth. Food for our soul. And I pray that we'll see it as such. And we need you, Spirit. Because if you don't come, and if you don't move, nothing gets done. Preaching is powerless without the work of the Spirit. I'm nothing more than just a motivational speaker if the Spirit does not move. I need you to move. I'm not in the business of motivating. I'm in the business, Lord, of preaching truth to your people. And I need you to do it in and through me and to my own heart as well. And I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. These words of Paul here are his exhortation to us to be unified as believers. This is what he is encouraging the church, the church in Corinthians, Corinthians church to do, is to be unified amongst themselves. And these words here are benefit to us as well. First, we should all agree. We should all agree. I appeal to you, my brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. That means that you all say the same. What do you mean by that, people, Alex? That phrase is used in hostile political communities that have now been free from friction and have reached agreement. That you say the same. A A clear translation would be to be at peace. That you make up the difference that exists amongst yourselves. That you are at peace now. That you all agree. The believers in the Corinthian church were not clones of each other, and neither are we. They were still individuals with different opinions. And Paul wants us to communicate about those differences of opinion in order to reach some term of agreement, some terms of peace, that you all say the same. Paul knows that their differences of opinion can become a source of disunity and division within a church if they let it, because it can. Do you believe that? It can. And in some churches, it has. Look what he says in verse 11 and 12. He said, it has been reported to him by Chloe's household that there was Rivalry amongst the church. People were fighting in arguments and disagreement and competition amongst themselves over one issue because they preferred one Christian leader over another. Each of you say, I'm with Paul. I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. No, I follow Christ. There were divisions in the church over the Christian leaders which led to camp within the church. They were truly divided, broken fellowship. Members of these camps were giving their allegiance to to the preachers and the church leaders over one. Putting Christian leaders over against one another and so dividing the church, creating divisions within the church. 
You see, in, in first century Greek culture, there were two things that Greeks loved. If you know anything about Greeks, you know they love philosophy and you know they love rhetoric. They love, they love people that can, that was knowledgeable. They love people that was educated. They love people that can be good speakers. And if you could do those things well, you moved up in society. You got honor. You got glory. That was the culture they live in. Now let me ask you, do you think that was in the church there as well? Yes, it was. It was there as well. So each group is following the person they believe to be the smartest, the the man they Christianly they believe to be the more most articulate, the one they believe have the best skills, and so they had their camp, totally based upon the outward appearance of the preacher, his style and delivery, and the same is true for us. As we continue to move forward in this church and grow, the differences of opinion will come up. They're going to come up. It's going to come up about music, how we do Sunday school, how we do youth ministry, how we do children ministry, how we do mercy ministry. It's going to, it's going to come up. We love, I love this church. We love one another, but don't, don't let us be naive to think this can happen to us, cannot happen to us, and it can. And it can. Remember, they're already different ideas and opinions and dreams and backgrounds in our church. Our responsibility is to make up the difference that exists among us. And don't let the differences of opinion develop into a source of division and disunity. One of the ways it shows ugly head is through camps. Members putting one leader over another. Village Church, you currently have five officers. Your pastor is one of them. And by God's grace, you're going to get the privilege of electing a few more officers next year. But never say, I'm with Brian. I'm with Alex. I'm with Doug. No, I'm with Wayne. No, I'm with Butch. No, I'm with Richard. Don't do that. Were we crucified for you? Were you baptized into my name? Were you? No. By no means. Now, there's nothing wrong with having differences of opinion and preferences. And there's nothing wrong with that. What it turns ugly is when they become a source of division and disunity and you break fellowship with people because of your preference. You see, you're going to prefer one officer over another. Let's just be honest about that. Some of you are going to prefer another preaching style other than mine. Let's just be honest about that as well. So don't, so don't think we don't have preferences, but don't to make your preferences be a source of you broken fellowship with a brother or sister. Don't let it do that. Don't put us over against one another, but pray for your officers. Don't worship us. Because if you worship your pastor, you know what else you're not doing? You ain't praying for him because you don't think he has any issues, and you set him up to fail, and you do the same thing to your officers. Pray for them diligently, that the Spirit would keep us warm, that he would keep us humble, that he would keep us in the word. Because as we lead well, the church will be laid well. And if we're not leading well, the church is not going to go well. You've got to believe that. you got to. We are 
You're under shepherds. That's all we are. And we are under shepherds to the shepherd. If the roles ever get reversed, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Make up the difference that exists among you. You have to be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. What does those words mean? They point us back to the source of our unity, to the one who unites us in his body. When you think about this next year and in the future of our church, what has to always stay in the center is Jesus. Always at the center. Always. You don't come to a church because of the pastor. You don't come to the church because of, of, of the things that they're doing. You come because the Spirit leads you. That's why. Because I'm telling you, we're men. And men fall. But Jesus never does. He has to stay at the center. The gospel, Jesus Christ himself. What unites us is not our differences, but it's the Savior, Jesus, what he did for us. He was the one crucified for your sins. How deep the Father's love is deep because of what Jesus did. Not because of what I've done or your officers have done. You were baptized into union with him, and he is not divided. So his church is to live and function in a state of, of unity, not in a state of division and disunity. You see, your relationship with Christ, if you are a believer this morning, has impact on the way you relate to other believers. There's a, there's a, there's a relationship there. He wants you to live in harmony with one another. He has reconciled you not only to God, but he has reconciled you to other believers as well. Paul says we are to be unified. We are to be in unity. And that is to be put in order, to be restored. He has knit us together as one, as his bride, as his church. And we are to be of the same mind and the same judgment. Now, what does that mean? Is he saying we are to be clones of one another? No. It's, on, it's talking about the gospel. We are to be the same mind and the same judgment when it comes to the truth, when it comes to Jesus. Keeping the gospel at the center, keeping him at the center, that's what it means. Not our differences, not our preferences, but Jesus. Because when he's at the center, we work through those differences. We will. It's not our ideals or our opinions or our passions or our dreams or my family background, or my culture, or my church background, or my education, or my status. They can never be the center of our church. Never. But they will try to be. And we have to fight against it. Paul is not delusional. He knows that there are going to be times when divisions come up. There are going to be times when, when um, conflict comes up. There's going to be times when people do break fellowship. There will be time when people do get angry with the pastor and the officer. But what do you do when it happens? Don't go create camps. That's what you do. If I said something that hurt you, don't run to another member and say, I can't believe that pastor said that. 
come to me. Come to me. And we'll deal with it. If you love me enough, you will come to me and call me out if I sin against you. If you don't do that, that means you don't love me. Because with me, if you sin against me, I'm going to call you out. Because I love you. Because I love you. And so I, w- I want you to do the same for me in a loving way. And to all your officers. That's how, it look, that's how unity looks, people. It's not sweeping things under the rug, but it's keeping short accounts and dealing with issues when they come up. We shouldn't settle for living in a house divided, like those little license plates that has a Auburn and Alabama thing that says a house divided and they just live in peace. We're not a house divided. Christ is not divided, and neither will his body be. It's united. Don't set up a broken relationship. Just restore them. We must fight to keep the union to the spirit and the bond of peace. It, it's just not going to happen. You think good marriages happen by accident? You think couples here to have a good marriage fell into it, like fall into a ditch? No, they worked their tails off for it. They did. If you want to have a unified church, then we're going to have to work for it. We're going to have to fight for it. All through the power of the Holy Spirit. All through praying diligently that the Spirit would keep us unified. That's my prayer for this church. It's always been my prayer, even before we started, is that we stay one and unified in the gospel. This week when we spent Christmas in Greenville, South Carolina, with Waikita's sister, and... I was sent to go pick up some food uh, for lunch. And I went to the gas station, got food, and as I was pulling out, I saw this elderly lady walking down the sidewalk. And I was getting ready to make a left turn, and I looked over, and she waved me down. And I had a decision to make. Go get the food so everyone can eat on time, or do I talk to this lady? Something said, talk to her. And I did. And I, she said, can I give her, she asked me for a ride home. I said, yes, ma'am, come on in, I'll give you a ride home. And it turned out it was 15 minutes on the other side of town. <laughs> and, but I went with it. I engaged her. And it turned out she's lonely, depressed. Her husband passed away a few years ago, so she's a widow. Not a very good relationship with her kids. And she was walking because her son refused to take her home. So she was going to walk probably five miles on the other side of town in the rain to get home. And my heart broke listening to her story. And she went on and and told me she felt like God had abandoned her. I asked, I shared the gospel with her. I talked to her about her faith. And she said, God doesn't love me. My life has not turned out the way I want it to. I drink. I smoke. God hasn't taken these things from me. He doesn't care. And I assured her that he does care, that he does love her, that Jesus came and he, he died for the things that we struggle with. Then I asked her about her church family. She said, yes, I go to church. I sing in the choir. I, I've been going to the church for a while. And then you know what else she says? But I don't want those people knowing my business. Bingo. Bingo. If that's our attitude toward God's people, then guess what? You're going to struggle and be lonely in your issues. 
Because we have a lot of folks that go to church and sing in choir, they do ministry, but you know what they say? I don't want those folks in my business. And what I say is, you're not really connected. You're not unified in the body. And you know what? You're going to be lonely. Because Jesus is not going to come down here and save me from my issues. He's not going to appear and say, Alice, how can I help you? What he's going to do? He's going to send a sister into your life. And are you going to let him in? Are you going to let him into your business? You have to. Now, you've got to be wise. You don't need to come up front and, and spill all your business. But you do need brothers and sisters that you go to church with who knows your business and you know their business. That's part of being unified, that we let people in. Paul says in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When every part of the body is working properly, it makes the whole body grow, and it builds itself up in love. And my challenge to you, Village Church, Whatever part you have in this body, are you going to try to work properly in the coming year? Or you will be a tool of division and disunity? Only you can answer that. But your resolution should be, I want to be a tool that works properly within this body so that we can grow up and be built up in love through next year. That's my challenge to you. Let us pray. That's a challenge to my own heart, Father. That as you have called me to be pastor of this church and my role in this church, that through the power of your spirit, the Lord, that my role will work properly. That I will not overstep my bounds, Lord, but I will stay within the role you have placed me in. And I need your spirit to do that. I need your spirit to move in me and do that. And I pray that same prayer for our officers, the elders and the deacons and the future elders and deacons of this church. That, Lord, we would be men who lead wisely who stay in our role, who love the bride, who will serve the bride, that we'll not be in these offices for self-glory, to proclaim our greatness or to get glory, but, Lord, we are here because we've called to be here and that we'll be men who are humble, humble men who desperately need your spirit to give us what we need to be the officers we need to be for your bride. And I pray for your bride, Lord, that she will pray for her officers, Pray for her pastor. Pray for her elders and deacons, knowing that we are men who are weak, men who have issues, men who have struggles, men who have fears, men who are insecure. And we need the people we serve to be lifting us up in prayer as we lift them up in prayer. And, Lord, as we go forward, I pray for unity in the bond, in the, in the, in the, in the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace, that that will be what we will fight for and that you will keep us that way. I know there are things that lie ahead. There are issues we're going to face. There are conflicts that are going to come up. You know, we're going to get mad with each other. We're going to sin against one another. And that's going to happen. I mean, come on, we live in a fallen world. Our church is no different than any other church in the world. And forgive us if we think so. But, Lord, let us learn how to deal with those things in a Christian way, keeping short accounts, extending grace, and never, ever forgetting we all got issues. 
In Christ's name I pray. Amen.